Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, excited to bring on our guest today, Connor Pratt. Connor uh, is a former Marine Corps logistics officer who transitioned into corporate America in January of 2018 or came to the conference in 18. And so I'm going to let him tell his story a little bit. But uh, Connor, glad you're here. Appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us today. Thanks, Pete. Um, happy to be here. Happy to give back in whatever way I can. Um, but yeah, you kind of gave me a little introduction there. I was, I was in the Marine Corps, did logistics, uh, went to the Merchant Marine Academy and then went to the Marine Corps right afterwards, spent about eight years as a logistics officer. Um, in the Marine Corps, um, uh, finished up my time down at, at SOCOM in Tampa, Florida. And that's where I kind of got involved with Cameron Brooks. Um, heard about Cameron Brooks through multiple other people in the military, but also some close friends that, uh, went through the program before me, which was helpful. We'll probably get into a little later. Um, so that's how I heard about Cameron Brooks and kind of got started. And I already knew I was going to transition probably, you know, a year, a year and a half out. It was just from a family perspective and, getting to that point in the military where you have to make that decision whether you're going to stay in or you're going to make that move and uh so i kind of luckily for me i knew that early enough to help with my preparation so that's how i kind of got into cameron brooks to get started yeah so you were in the program for a little over a year and i definitely want to get into some of that i guess before we do so you had 15 one five interviews at the conference you got every company to express interest in you i'm kind of looking at your I mean, we just keep save save everything around here. So, okay. well, there was one. There was there was one that didn't. I will never forget it. Well, I I got at least a mild interest in that one that you're describing. But nevertheless, <laughs> every company expressed some level of interest in you, and so you had tons of op- options when this thing was all said and done. You chose Globus Medical. Maybe maybe do this. Who are they? Um, where did you start in your career and what was that like? And then where are you now? Of course, I, before I hit the record button, we caught up a little bit. You shared that a little bit with me, but I think it's so helpful for officers who don't know, you know, the idea of sales, med device sales, what the progression could be like and some of that. So maybe just enlighten us a bit on who your company is, what they do and, and what specifically happened with you. Sure. And I'm, I might start back just a little further, like when I was going through the program and to your point that you said, a lot of officers, including myself at the time, we don't know what we don't know as far as the industry and corporate America and what jobs are out there, what's really out there and things that we wouldn't even know. Um, and there's probably other officers that were like me that I, I favored team leadership positions and maybe more consulting type positions because that's kind of where all of our strengths lie. And I didn't know anything about sales. And I think a lot of people have a preconceived notion that is negative towards sales just because they don't necessarily understand what it is or they wouldn't feel comfortable doing like door-to-door stuff when really that's not the case at all. Um, so after, you know, I spent maybe one or two in person or over the phone sessions with you and with your background and you kind of explain it to me and explain how I would be a good fit for that. And I was very open-minded going through Cameron Brooks as far as locations and, and careers. So I was like, it's I was, took an interest in it. And I started reading more of the sales books and checking it out and exploring these companies. And uh, so, yeah, after the conference, right, went through all the conference and I chose Globus Medical. One, because it was sales. Um, Two, um, I wanted to be paid for performance, which I think you have to be able to be willing to do that in a sales role, right? You're you're betting on yourself. 
And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of us maybe, you know, look to transition out of the military to get paid more. I mean, that's the goal, I think. Um, yeah, so Globus Medical is a spine um, and now trauma company in the medical device industry. We provide any type of spinal implant um, as well as utilizing our robotic technology, which is really the only one in the space, um, to treat patients with any type of spa- uh, spine ailment, pathology, disease. Um, so that's kind of who Globus is. They're about, we did about uh, a billion dollars in sales. So we're getting, we're getting bigger. We're only about a 20 year old company, um, actually 20 year old this year. Um, so that's kind of who Globus is in a nutshell without diving in too deep into them. But I, so I started with them as a, what they call a fast track spine associate. So basically I came into a territory learning under a senior rep, typically for, they say around a year to two years. Um, and my progression kind of through that. So I'm learning, I'm learning the day to day the logistics of moving equipment around, learning the technology and the equipment so you can serve your customers. Um, and then also understanding how to you know, provide value in the operating room and help these surgeons and these nurses treat these patients. End of the day, that's what it's about is treating the patient. Um, so after you're learning through that and going through that training pipeline, of course, Globus and I'm sure every other company, they put you through courses as well to teach you. I, can't even, I had no background in healthcare, no background in spine, nothing like that. So they hire us veterans because of what we can do independently. We work in a lot of autonomous environments. They can trust that we're going to get done what needs to be done. They'll teach us spine. We can learn that. That's fine. Um, so you go through different, like a total, like six weeks of courses, not all together. It's all broken up, but they teach you what you kind of need to know as a foundation. Um, so after my associate time, I was fortunate to get a position at Johns Hopkins and one of their sister accounts, another Johns Hopkins hospital as a spine, uh, let me think, right spine a senior or like a spine specialist basically we'll call it and then uh you, once you spend some time there the only distinction as you keep getting promoted is when i was still on some salary and commission as a spine specialist but they when you are doing enough in revenue that you can go to all commission that's basically your promotion and then you could become a senior spine specialist and then as you continue to grow hopefully you'll continue to get promoted onto what's a spine territory manager and everything is just based off your performance and your revenue so Promotions don't necessarily just come after a certain time or things like that. Everything's performance-based, which I love. Um, they may not be for everybody, but if, if you're performing well, you're taken care of. Um, everything's tied to your numbers. Um, so that's kind of how my start went. And now as I continue to grow, it kind of transforms. Um, and I start to bring in one or two other people that are learning under me, training under me, that are becoming part of my team, which allows me to do a couple things. One, have quality of life back so my wife stays with me and my kids don't leave. And two... Um, it allows me more time to not worry about the little things and go continue to grow. And the growing is good for me, but it's also good for them. I'm just trying to build more opportunities to have more opportunities that other people can take over. And I need more time to do that. Okay, Um, so you've said a lot here, but I want to, let me dive in on a couple of things. And, you know, we're friends. So, you know, I sent you some questions beforehand and we, I want to cover as much as we can, but I, I tell you when, when I have these conversations, I, I try to put myself in the shoes of a military officer who's thinking about getting out of the military and like you're saying things that I want maybe a little bit more explanation to really round things out. So first thing you said, I'm learning the, you know, when I first started, I'm learning the day to day. That's probably one of the biggest questions I get. What's the day to day of a sales rep? Because I can define the day to day of a lot of different types of career fields, but and I know this is a very hard question because your day-to-day will vary. It varies all over the place. I know that. Uh, but can you give us a sample of a bit of a day-to-day or maybe an amalgamation of a day-to-day? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll do the day to day, and then if it's okay with you, Pete, I did. I think I want to. I'll backtrack them and give the candidates that are considering sales, like really what sales is and how our roles connect with the military. But yeah, a normal a normal day to day, like you said, I mean, there's no normal day to day in the sales medical device world. But typically, um, especially now, it's a little more scheduled since I've kind of built the business that I have. Typically, get into the hospital anywhere between 6.30, 7 a.m. for maybe a 7.30 start time surgery. Um, we get there a little early, make sure all of our equipment is ready that we had already set up from the day before. Um, we're getting to the room, making sure everything's ready, the nurse is ready, everything's prepared. And then throughout that surgery, however long it takes, you know, we're providing our services in that surgery. You may have one surgery that day, you may have two, you may have three, or so on, however many. And so you're constantly doing however many surgeries you have on a schedule that day. Typically though, I mean, I used to have a lot later days, but now, I mean, I'm thinking 6.30, 7 a.m. in the morning to about, could be five or six, really. Could be even earlier. If we have one surgery that day, it could be done at noon. And then what else has to happen during that day? It's nice that I have people that help work with me and stuff like that. Now is you got to look ahead at your schedule for the next day and the following day and making sure you're having the right equipment in to the hospital to get sterilized so it's all clean and processed for your upcoming surgeries throughout the week. So it is, there's the logistics involved and there's sales involved. So you have to just make sure you have the right equipment for whatever you're doing for the next following days. And then you continue that process throughout the week. And of course, being at a place like Johns Hopkins, which is a trauma center, things can come in. You can get a call middle of the night over the weekend. People get hurt and you have to be there. That's expected. Um, so that's kind of the day-to-day without going like too into the weeds of it. And then, um, if you don't mind me going back to like more of a general generality of sales, yeah, because like I di- I didn't know that coming in and how well, I mean, especially like a logistics um, job in the military can like translate very well. I mean, if you think about logistics in the military, no matter what service you are, you're providing the service and a need to your customers. Your customers being the infantry guys that are on the field or whatever. So you're figuring out what their needs are. You're talking to them, building relationships with them understanding what they're trying to accomplish where they may not even know what they need, but you're asking those questions and those probing questions to understand what are they trying to do? Because I might know better how to get it done for them. And then I'm providing solutions that are going to meet their needs that are going to provide value to them. So that's exactly what we do in a sales role. And I think you would say the same from your time in sales. I mean, it's way more listening and asking questions and figure out where you can provide value. If I try to bring a product into a surgeon that doesn't even do a certain procedure, like that's a waste of his time and mine. And that's terrible. So there's a lot of fact finding and a lot of questions going on and you're really just building relationships. I mean, that's where your sales process really starts. I'm not, I'm not a very like pushy salesman or showing products. I just sell myself and just build a relationship of trust and competence. And you do the same thing that you did in the military. That's what you did with everyone you work with in the military. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, maybe you can expand on this or, or you said it, but maybe let, let me just put an exclamation point or let you put an exclamation point. Cause a lot of times like now you call surgeons customers, like you call people customers because you're in a sales role and you're a sales professional. Like in the Marine Corps, you probably didn't call, I don't know, maybe you did, I don't know, but I doubt you called a bunch of people your customer, but they were your customer. So would you connect for us, you know, because a lot of times when I'm talking to, let's say I'm talking to a Marine who's thinking about going into sales, he or she's thinking like my customer, my customer is the Marines or are the Marines. And I, and and that would be like you saying, my customer is the patient. Really, the patient's the recipient, the Marines are the recipient, but but who's the customer? And you said it, but like, let's just put a, a point on it so people can pick that up. 
Yeah, I mean, so started with like on the military side and my focus on the Marine Corps, right? So as I was a logistics officer, you're right. I mean, the end user, just like with the patient, the end user is the Marines receiving it. But I mean, technically, I still think of them like say a battalion XO or a company XO that I'm working with. I mean, those are my customers. Obviously, in the military side, they're not customers at all, whatever, like we're all serving together. But that's how I look at, I mean, that's who I'm trying to provide value to and provide service to. And same way with the surgeons. Yes, there are surgeons, but there are customers because that's where we're generating money from, right? So there are customers, our clients, whereas yes, the patient is the end user and recipient of said services and, and products. But um, that's how that's how we kind of look at it. And obviously our customers and patients being number one, we're in like a twofold world, right? In the medical industry where we still, you know, we care about our customers, but end, end state is that patient, right? Yeah. And that's why you got to just not lose sight of in our job. Yeah. One of the things you said earlier, I think absolutely terrifies people. You said moving to a hundred percent commission and not every, not every sales does this. I think right. Locus is unique or in a unique group of companies that do that. I know you love it because, yeah. of the, because of the business that you've built and the compensation you're afforded relative to your performance. But in, so I'm not looking for specific numbers. As a matter of fact, I'd ask you not to give me specific numbers, but can you Tell me why that's enticing to you. Because again, I think people think oh, 100% commission. Oh my gosh, I have a I have a family. When I knew you five years ago, you had a wife and one kid, but you used the word kids a little while ago. So <laughs> you probably have another one or two at this point in the game. Yep. Not a family. You're trying to take care of your family. Uh, 100% commission can be absolutely terrifying, I think, to people who are thinking about getting into sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Absolutely. I think it can be. And I think it probably was at some point, like just because I still did it doesn't mean I wasn't like worried about it or somewhat, there's always some kind of, you know, hesitation in your mind. But, um, and like we've talked about, I hope it doesn't come across the wrong way for anybody or you, but I mean, at sales, I was, it's not for everybody. Like we're kind of saying, um, you, you do have to take some risks and bet on yourself. And I do enjoy being on commission because it's uncapped, uncapped potential for earnings. Right. Whereas, and I'm not trying to knock other jobs where you may say you get a salary of whatever, 100, whatever. I, f I just feel like it's going to take a lot longer to get that raise when I can go get that raise tomorrow if I work hard enough and I do the right things. So I like, it's all, it's not an instant gratification, but, but the potential for instant gratification. Um, and it, I think anything in life, I mean, doesn't come, like great things don't come without some risk. Um, so I felt good enough in myself and had the support of my family, which was huge as well. And the complete support of that makes it a little easier um, to go to that all commission. And like you said, once you kind of build that base and you have a solid base of business, commission doesn't become scary at all. Like our stuff is so locked down that you're not really worrying about losing your business. You keep doing the right things, you're going to be fine. Right. Um, and like you said, in some sales jobs, we'll always have some sort of base with commission and things like that. Like you said, Globus is different. Every company's different. So some, you, you still have that base, which is a nice buffer. Um, but I think if they do that, your commission just won't be as high, right? So right. Yeah. there's give and take both both ways, but I don't think it's anything to be scared of. I mean, if you if you do the right things and you perform and do what you're supposed to do, like all these JMOs coming through Cameron Brush are going to do, you'll be, it's totally fine. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, all right, so you were in, you were in the program, you were in the Cameron Brooks program for about a year. You met, I've got, I'm just like, like, as I said, I'm looking at it right now. You met Joel Junker on the phone on December 16th of 2016, and you came to a career conference on, in January of 18. It's a little over a year. Um, 
I, I had the pleasure of reading through all the notes, including our first meeting. You and I met in, I don't know if you recall, in Tampa in October of 17. That was our first face-to-face. Um, uh, but tell us a little bit about being in the Camera Brooks program. I'll start broad, right? You know, let's just, you know, what was valuable to you? How did you apply what you were learning? What are the things that you really thought helped you moving forward? Just give me a little bit about you and the program. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your guys note taking is way better than mine and way better than my memory. Uh, so I don't remember all those dates that I logo was, but it makes me feel old, but, um, I had, you know, the most valuable parts to kind of start there of the program for me were, I mean, were one, like the principle, like the interaction was with, with you and Joel. So if we got probably one time with Rob, I believe as well, just like picking your guys' brain, not being afraid to ask you guys any question. Cause like we talked about earlier, us as officers, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I needed to gather information and you guys are the pros that's been doing this and placing JMOs in these, these careers. And I didn't know anything about them. So the interactions that I have like with you and Joel and Rob guiding me and just explaining what the roles are and different things like that and, and helping us connect our military career to where it fits into corporate America. That was one valuable part. And then the other one was just like the, the mock interviews, whether it was with you or with other candidates that were either at one of the face-to-faces or with friends or who we get paired with over the phone and just continuous practice. Um, and obviously you get into this, you get out what you put in, right? And so having the year to prepare for it, I didn't feel rushed. I felt like I could take my time and get better at things and and really feel good going into the conferences. Yeah, yeah. Um, how was your interview? Let's talk a little bit about interview prep for a moment because the, the way the program's set up, you do this self-analysis and then you do this like answer construction phase and then and then, like you said, you're getting in. You're getting into mock interviews with study groups, or with me, or Joel, or Rob, or you know, you get to the verbalization side of it. Talk about the early side of that when you were working on some of your self analysis. You know, what I find with military officers is there's not like this, you know, revelatory discovery of oh, now I know who I am. <laughs> I, everyone walks in kind of knowing who they are, but it, but it, in my mind, what I've seen at least is people being able to quantify and really categorize perhaps who they are and why it's relevant to to the business world. Tell me a little bit about that in your experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head too. I think a lot of us all have a pretty good, you know, you know, understanding of who we are as a person and where we kind of excel and, and different things like that. So I think, but I think where we can gain from and where maybe we don't quite understand ourselves, you have to be able to like take a step back, take criticism constructive criticism, right, from you guys that can help us piece our way into the corporate world. Well, we may not have seen fits, kind of like with me with sales. Um, so as long as, you know, that candidate still has an open mind, even though I'm, I'm a good understanding of yourself, but also let someone else give an outside business world take on where you can fit and, yeah. you know, having that, tr- that trusting open mind because you guys have obviously been doing this for a long time with a lot of success. Um, and then I think, you know, talking about your answer, to a construction phase. I, I think I found that to be the hardest just because you're new, you're still kind of new in the program, right? And you don't really understand how to verbalize or translate military accomplishments into what someone with no military experience can understand. And you kind of get wordy um, and too long. And that's just kind of the process. And that's why it takes so long because your answers are massive. And then you're constantly working and shorting them down, shorting them down, you know, be more concise. What's the bottom line up front? Like all that stuff. And just and then from there, as you keep practicing and doing the mock interviews, and I would just, I never really like practiced in a mirror or videotape myself. Just if I was driving to work, 
I'd pull a flashcard out and then I'd, I'm just talking to myself on the way to work and just ver- verbalizing it or starting over. And then you're, then it just starts to become a natural conversation instead of you're trying to memorize an answer and it just sounds, you know, um, scripted almost, but. You know, one of the things you've got going for you too, I even wrote it like the first time we met, one of the first things I wrote about you, you, you have this natural ability to build rapport, which I think, you know, if for someone, for those listening to this podcast, if you naturally have that, um, I do think that that's a boon. I think if you just have the flex, the personality and flexibility to mix it up with people, it it tends to come a yeah. little bit easier in the interview process. But if you don't have that, Having really well thought out and prepared answers, not scripted. I like what you just said, not scripted, not memorized, not robotic, but really thought, well thought out, prepared answers, regardless if you have the Connor Pratt personality or not, um, it can go pretty far. I, I don't necessarily, yep. I mean, you know, I, I'm sitting here telling you you got a great personality. You're like, yeah, I do. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. Thanks. Um, but no, I mean, spot on. And I think the other thing too, that I'll just add to that, like, yes, of course, you know, some people love interacting with people and doing that. Not to say that more introverted people can't have success in an interview. And those interviews just may look different, right? It might feel different. But for me, like I kind of had thought about this the other night, it was kind of like, for me, it was a mindset, like shift going into the interview, right? And understanding in your head, like not being nervous about it. You made the decision to transition. So you're obviously not nervous enough. You still made the jump. So you're not that nervous. You're just talking to another person, just like if you briefed a general or you briefed commanders and all kinds of different things, you're talking to another person and you're talking about yourself. You know yourself, you know what you've done. And then also understanding that these companies like, yes, we're here to get a job and start our career, but they're also here for you. So don't forget that. Um, You're obviously, you know, all of the candidates are highly sought after. You all bring something to the table. So remember that when you're going into these things, I think it made me more comfortable. Yeah. Try to think about and I, I was thinking through when I was creating this question, I was kind of trying to think about, you know, the advantage of being in, in the camera program for a longer period of time, in your case, a little over a year, while you're still, you got a 40 hour a week plus job, right? You're a full-time active duty Marine Corps officer. You know, this is not, your preparation is not your full-time job. So do you remember anything specific about like what you were reading or what you were learning or what you were working on that, that translated or connected or kind of showed up in your Marine Corps life? So as far as like going through my preparation and how I kind of utilized it in the last stages of my Marine Corps career? Yeah. Like you were in the DPP. Did any of that manifest itself in, in your full-time job? Did you take any of the stuff that you were working on and bring it to work with you? Not, not to prepare, but to be a better right, right, right. perhaps. No, absolutely. And so I was finishing my time in Tampa at SOCOM um, when I was going through the DPP. And um, absolutely. So when I started reading through the reading list, which I'm sure has changed now or been added to and adjusted, um, there's a lot of obviously great books in there. And a lot of that stuff, whether it's how to win friends and influence people, um, you know, good to great. There's all kinds of great books that apply, not just to business, but to your military relationships. And if you do, if you truly like it's not easy to do if you're not thinking about it, but if you're reading a book and taking these things, these notes from the book, you can find ways to apply them or you'll be surprised that people at work, especially at like SOCOM where there's a lot of civilians and also like higher up officers that they're all trying to better themselves too. So you can, you can engage and start great conversations about it. And then, you know, you're bringing some of what you're learning to them yeah, um, and being able to kind of almost practice interview with them, right? Talking about different things that you're learning with them. 
You know, that's a good point. Something I don't really talk a lot about with officers who who have a little bit more time. I really want to start talking about this more, though, is, you know, just asking an open-ended question, how are you using this at work? And just see where the conversation goes, because I, I actually think there's a lot going on there, more than I'm even thinking about. Uh, but if you are listening to this podcast and are still in the military, I would encourage you to take what you're doing in the development preparation program and try, look, everything's not, everything's not going to apply. You know what I mean? Something's just, okay, sure. good sure. Know, but that doesn't apply in my world, but some things will most certainly apply. And so definitely want to bring that forward as best you can. Okay. So, so the next question is, so you remind me how, you know, Chris, by the way, I didn't dig into that. How do you, how do you, how do you know, Chris? Yeah. And so for everybody out there, Chris Wilkerson went through Cameron Brooks as well. Um, maybe it, you know the timeline better than me, maybe a year or two years, maybe ahead of me, but I met Chris at the basic school. So we went to OCS at different times. We met at the basic school, our second stage of training for officers in the Marine Corps, um, met there and just became friends. And then we both ended up getting stationed in Camp Lejeune where we ended up living together for like the four or so years that we were at Camp Lejeune together. So become very close friends over that time and still staying. Like I talked to him at least once a week still. Okay. Um, as most of the candidates and former JMOs probably all have a real tight group of military friends. Uh, I forgot about this till just now, and I can't believe I, di- I didn't remember, but I actually recorded a podcast with Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah? A way- it's been a while, but uh, I'll link that to the to the notes in the show. Awesome. So, but what I really want to know, because I did the same thing. I did, I did what you did. I had the guy who turned me on to Cameron Brooks. Matter of fact, we went and saw Roger Cameron together. And we got the whole, here's who, here's who Cameron Brooks is from Roger. Uh, but he was like a year ahead of me. So he got out. He went into sales. He went to the same company I actually ended up going to. Um, and I literally just followed his career for the first year of life. I liter- I probably called him at least once a month. Okay, what are you doing now? Okay, what are you doing now? How did that go? How does that work? And you guys went into yeah. two different career paths, similar backgrounds. Uh, yeah. But he went into more of a field-based general management job. You obviously went into a sales job. So different roles. But- what were you asking him or what do you remember some of those conversations being like when a guy that was a good friend of yours went, got out of the military before you? Yeah. So, I mean, my main questions, obviously, because, uh, you know, it was a very it's a vulnerable relationship. We could ask each other anything and not feel dumb about what we're asking. Him having the intimate knowledge of DPP and the conference and how the interviews, you know, actually go where it's, you know, probably not. It's, it's a very kind of informal interview, I think, if you will. Like it's a free flowing conversation, I think. Um, so him kind of like maybe calming any fears and nervousness of that. And then also being able to just practice my interview questions with him, or maybe not even practice them, just send him my writing and let him read it on his own time and let him tear it apart and tell me how awful it is in the beginning and helping me bring it back down to earth, you know, from a length standpoint and from an understanding standpoint. Um, so having someone like that, which just because he was a great friend. I think you, you guys do a great job of also pairing, if you don't have someone that's been through it or whatever, pairing people up. Like I've helped a couple Cameron Brooks candidates in the past too, happy to do it. And I think, you know, there's always someone that either, you know, Cameron Brooks can pair you with or you'll find. And those, those relationships and those conversations are invaluable. Like they helped a lot. I know you're a busy guy, but, but there are some motivated people who listen to this podcast. I think if you listen to this podcast, you're probably a motivated person because, you know, it's not... I think these podcasts are great, but you know, I, I think you've really got to be desiring to this content to really dig into it. But I guess what I would say is, 
like those motivated people will look you up, you now, Connor, look you up on LinkedIn and you're a busy guy. So, but you'll probably even, I know you're willing anyway, but you'll probably get hit up even more because, and I just love it. The ingenuity of people to say, Hey, I, I don't need anyone's permission to reach out to this person on LinkedIn and say, Hey, I heard you on a podcast. Yeah. You tell me about your experience or tell me more yeah. or what about this? And so, um, I yeah. suspect that would come this way. Yeah, and anyone listening that is, you know, happy to, if you look me up that way, reach out and I'll always get back to everybody. It may take a little bit, but I'll get back. Right on. Uh, final question. All right. So now you're, you're five years post Marine Corps. You've been promoted a number of times. You're extremely successful in what you're up to. Um, think about you in January, you know, mid-January 2018. You're not even at a conference yet. You don't even know who you're interviewing with. Yet you've never heard of Globus before, probably at that point in the game. Maybe you had, I don't right. know. Probably not. Nope. Um, like, okay, give yourself advice. Like, what do you tell yourself? I don't know. I don't make myself come off in a bad light, but like, I, I didn't feel that nervous. And you know, I think it was partly due to two things. One, I just, I, I like interacting with people. It was an exciting next step to me. Yeah. And, but I also had a year in the DPP. I felt prepared. Yeah. Um, but if the advice I would give to anybody is, you know, hopefully you've done your homework, right? please be prepared, set yourself up for success. But then, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some nervousness, excitement, energy, right? But just, I mean, enjoy it. Like you're going to meet some fantastic people from the other JMOs you're going to interact with at the conference and have great conversations and learn about a lot of industries and a lot of great careers. Um, just do your homework. It's, you know, this is probably the next, you know, it's a very important step in your next career, right? Should be like the most important thing going on right now to set yourself and your family up for success. Um, but also just don't forget to enjoy it and, and learn as much as you can from these interviews as well. Yeah. You know, you're all trying to get a yes. You're trying to get a yes from everybody, but you know, enjoy it, learn what you need to learn and, uh, maybe just don't take it too seriously. Right. Have, have a little fun with it. All right. So hold on. I want to, I want to thank you that I want to, I want to reorder those things, but I think that's exactly right. Number one, prepare, do your yeah. work, right? I mean, anytime we're prepared, I had to get, I was, I give a, a thing yesterday morning to a large group of men at my church and I got, it got put on me the day before. So I had literally 24 hours to get this thing ready. And I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and like, and I couldn't fall back to sleep because I didn't want to mess it up. And so not being prepared can make you feel, make someone feel very uneasy and not real confident about what's going on. So that's number one. I love that. Number two, um, and you kind of said this just now, but you really said it earlier. These are just people, right? These are not, this is not murder board. This is not, you know, like you're sitting in, in front of a tribunal. These are people who yeah. desire to hire really high quality, best athlete, high potential people. So remember that. And then number three, best, well, I would, I would say the best, maybe they're all equal, but the thing that people miss on all the time, and I say this to people all the time, Connor, I, you, we may even been at the conference. I was listening to you and, and I, then I started passing it to other people. Have some fun. It's so unnatural to think like, oh, I'm going to have fun at a conference. You know, I'm, I got to find a job. My, you know, my family's depending on me. I've got mouths to feed. Like yeah. everything, yeah. everything in life matters. I have to get this right. Yeah. You got to get it right. But if you're so bunged up with nervousness and oh my goodness, like it's going to actually go in the way, it's not going to go in the way you want it to go. Connor's advice to have fun while not super obvious to me, at least is probably some of the best advice you can consider in your conference experiences, man, just have fun, meet some great people, make sure you're prepared 
and it's going to yeah. go your way. Yeah. And I think, like you said, they all, all those three things you mentioned tie together. And I don't think you can have fun if you're not prepared, right? So you got to do those first couple things to set yourself up for success and to enjoy it. Yeah. Man, it's so good to he hear you. I think the thing that I remember that I forgot, but now I remember about you being it's been a, a few years, is you just carry yourself with an immense amount of confidence, not ego. There's no ego in your voice. It's just like, hey, we got a job to do. Let's get it done and let's have a good time when we're doing it. And man, that, that that's just refreshing. And it's it's great to hear your voice. It's great to hear your perspective. And I know that those listening to the podcast will absolutely appreciate and take things away. So thanks for uh, thanks for the time. No, thank you so much, Pete. Happy to do it and always happy to uh, talk to other candidates as well. And um, thank you to you guys and your team. I mean, not to like hype you guys up or anything like that, but super extreme, super extremely grateful that I went through Caver Brooks. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am now. I would never even think of uh, that this would be possible. Yeah. And so I still have to kind of pit off sometimes. I love what I do, passionate about what I do. doesn't feel like work. And of course, you know, there's some rewards that go along with that. So like, didn't seem like a lot of this would ever be feasible, but it is. And you guys do a fantastic job. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Great to see you. Yeah, you too, Pete. Take care. All right, everyone. I hope that conversation with Connor Pratt was uh, helpful and enlightening. Give you a little bit of perspective on the development and preparation program with Cameron Brooks and preparing to interview as well as just a little bit of a glimpse or some insight into uh, you know a day in a life and the career progression of a medical device sales professional and business development professional. For our next episode, we're you know right now right we're in the follow up process for the April 2023 Career Conference. So our next episode is going to be a post conference audio of a webcast that my colleague Rob Davis is going to do with some of our most recent. Cameron Brooks alumni. It's a bit of an after action review. And so Rob's going to take them through uh, the conference itself, what some of the companies that were there, some of the statistics from the conference. But then I'll also get into questions from those alumni about, hey, what worked? What'd you do well? Uh, what do you wish you would have done differently, perhaps? So be on the lookout for that one. That one will come out in the next couple of weeks. Until then, make it a great day. <laughs>